0: Verses 1 through 4. Number 2, he's going to be speaking about praying in verses 5 through 15. And then number 3, he's going to be speaking about fasting in verses 16 through 18. And as he speaks about giving, as he teaches about praying, as he teaches about fasting, three things that we should be doing as disciples, he just really reminds us, man, that it's not about the giving church from the heart, if we would be a praying church from the heart, if we would be a fasting church from the heart, then we would be living the word of God. And God is going to do such an awesome work. He begins by saying there in verse one, he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your father. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father says right there to take heed, to beware, to be so careful that your charitable deed, that your giving to the poor is not done in order to be seen by men. It's not done to impress any man. You know, tragically, the Jews had come to this point where Jesus had to say this because there was a lot of hypocrisy in the synagogues. There was a lot of a lavish amount was given there, they would sound a trumpet. Think about that. And everyone would say, wow, look at how holy he is. Look at how sacrificial he is. He gives so much to the poor, so much almsgiving, so much of that given to them, and the people would glorify man. And so Jesus says that when that takes place, understand, those guys, they have their reward. The word literally, When you give something in order to impress men, in order to do it for any man, then the Lord says when you get the pat on the back, that's it. Nothing else comes. If that's your motive for giving. How foolish when you think about it. How people, and we see it so many times, they want the praises of men. They want the approval of men. They want the glory of men their religiosity, rather than being overly concerned or rather than being consumed really with just not what man thinks about me, but what God knows about me. A lot of times we live one without the other, and here the Lord really deals with that. You know, especially in this area of giving. You know, we don't see it too much here in this church, but there are some crazy churches out there that are really into stuff like that had some personal experiences where people have come up to me and they've told me, you know, hey, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm, you know, coming to your church now and I'm a big tither. They've actually said that to me. Like, you know, crazy stuff. I've had people literally tell me how much they give each week. You know, when we first started the church, I was involved with administration. in the modern-day church, man, we got things all backwards. It's kind of like people have torn this chapter out of the Bible. It's like those churches, they go and they give recognition to people who donate a certain amount. And then they give them applause, they give them a plaque. And yet the Lord so clearly says, assuredly, truly, I tell you the truth, that's what he says in the Greek, that that's all they're going to get if that's the reason they do it. The Lord says no right there in verse 4. When you do it a charitable deed, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. See, that's what God wants for us in our hearts. Because what ends up happening a lot of times when we're not real careful with trying to conceal our giving, then we might even do this subconsciously we're not real careful in doing things in secret, then we end up really getting, man, just kind of blessed by them finding out what I've done. And the Lord says, no, don't do that. He says, do it in secret. don't get me wrong, when you live that life in the secret place and you're giving in secret and your heart is right and you're there spending time with the Lord and you're giving and praying and fasting for God, I know that will spill over into your public life. But if your private life with the Lord is not right, then neither will your public life be as well. It's kind of like an iceberg, right? The the greater portion is under the sea and that's the way we important part of our life is the part that only God sees. But when that part is pure, you guys, it's so cool because everything falls into place. And as you look at this right here, and the Lord is speaking about giving, I, I just want to give you a, a quick side note here because we're going to see this in all three things today, that Jesus speaks often of the reward that he wants us to have. We saw it uh, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven you see one day we will stand before god and if our hearts are right we're going to receive a reward from god and the lord really does stir us on he wants to bless us he wants us on that day to receive a full reward and so he does motivate us See the same thing in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? As a matter of fact, seven times in our study today, Jesus speaks of the reward. I want to give you, son, I want to give you, daughter, this full reward. Whatever you do, the Lord says, look to that. As a matter of fact, it's kind of cool in 2 John chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, look to yourselves. That we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. By faith, can you visualize that day? By faith, can you look down the corridors of time where there you are standing before God, and when your works are done out of love and a pure heart and your motives are right? By faith, can you see the day when you're standing before the Lord and He you? And we don't know exactly what the rewards will be. Maybe it's going to be a big mansion. I don't know. Maybe you're going to get a whole bunch of money. I kind of doubt it. But more than likely, it's going to be the greater privileges in the kingdom forever and ever to serve Almighty God. And forever and ever, because of your faithfulness on earth, you will glorify God. All I know is this. Jesus speaks a lot about rewards. It's important to him. And therefore, it should be important. Says in Revelation chapter twenty-two verse twelve, Jesus is coming quickly, and he says, "And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work." Here we see in Matthew six verses one through five that those who give with the right heart, not to impress men, but God, will receive a reward from the Father who sees everything. Now, just as a Does this mean that we can never, ever give to where others would know what I give? Does this mean that no man can ever know what we give? Well, that's not really what the Bible is teaching here, really. You know, sometimes that's just not possible, and sometimes that's just not practical. You know, but the Lord is just looking deeper than that. He's just saying, why? Where an amazing man, his name was Barnabas. He sold his house. He took all the money and he brought it and he laid it down at the apostles' feet. You know, and and so they knew what he gave, but his heart was right. The Lord saw that. Then right after that, you read in the Book of Acts, chapter five, about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They did the same thing. Supposedly, they sold their house and then they took their money and they said they gave everything to the Lord, but they didn't. They were holding back. The real because they wanted to try to... shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, truly, I tell you the truth, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will be word has no value. God's word does. And according to God's word, it's not a question of whether or not you're going to give. It's just when you give. And it's not a question of whether or not you're going to pray. It's just when you pray. I mean, these are things that God expects us to do. And I really encourage you guys, man, to open your eyes, to look around, and you will see so many beautiful opportunities to give in the name of Jesus Christ to where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. God says not if, but when you give. Not if, but when you pray. It's kind of cool even going to South America. man, just The Lord laid it on people's hearts to give. No one asked. We don't have to beg for money. And you know, I, I took with me, don't know all the details of who gave what, but close to $1,000 from this church. People who gave took it over there, and they just said, "Look for opportunities to give in South America," and that's what we did. And it's so cool when you when you realize that, and you and you see those things. That's the heart of a Christian. And you know the the poverty there; they have nothing, and yet they have God. They have everything. You know, Richard was talking about this young twenty three year old pastor. And his pastor had died about a year earlier. And so during the year, one of the local pastors, his name is Lucho. There's mucho luchos in South America. It's kind of cool. An amazing man filled with love and the character of Jesus Christ. Oh, I just wanted to put him on my suitcase and bring him back here, man. Either that or stay there with him. He was an amazing man. But he trained up this young pastor, 23 years old, and what Richard was sharing with you guys is that the whole church is youth. They have the teenagers running the children's ministry. It's just an amazing thing what God is doing. They have nothing, and yet we have the opportunity to go down there and to help them, whether it be the you know rehab place they have, whether it be the needs over here, over there. And it was so cool to see how the Lord laid that on your heart for you to give. And I just really... I just believe that if you continue to live that life as a Christian, then God is just going to continue to bless you. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And so they're giving. God says, keep doing that, but do it with a heart that's right. And praying, Keep praying, but make sure you pray with a heart that's right. Here we see, first of all, the private prayer in verses 5 through 6. And again, we read the warning from the lips of the Lord. He says, listen, whatever you do, don't pray in order to impress the people. Once again, and it's so sad to say, that the Jews were guilty of this sin, especially the Pharisees. You know, when you study the history of the nation of Israel, man, they were a praying people. They really were. No nation ever had a higher view of prayer than the Jews of that day. One rabbi said, Great is prayer greater than all good works. The Jews had a high view of prayer, and, you know, rightly so. But what ends up happening so many times, you guys, and that's why we have to take heed to the warnings and be so careful that we don't fall into ruts and routines, that we don't fall into religion, that we remember this is the relationship with God. The Jews, unfortunately, had fallen into the rut. They had developed patterns in prayer. You know, one of the things that they made mandatory was the Shema. The Shema had to be prayed every morning and every night. And they would go through that ritual and that routine. The other thing that they were engaged in was called the shemoneh Esra. And what that consisted of was 18 prayers that had to be recited three times a day. Morning, afternoon, and evening. They also had what was known just the hours of prayer. 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And so pretty much every situation in life for the Jews had their prescribed prayers that we, they would offer up to the Lord. And so it didn't matter where you were, man, with the clock, you know, told 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 9 o'clock, you had to stop and pray. Imagine, there you are walking down low Azusa, and you hit, you know, the crossroad, Peck Road, and all of a sudden, boom, 12 o'clock comes. And so what would the Jews do? They would stand, they would lift their hands, and they would pray. And the Lord saw beyond all that superficial stuff, just like he sees our heart, it's naked before him. And he saw, hey, the reason you're there right there and then, and the reason you're praying is because you want to impress all the people around you. And people walk by and they say, wow, look at that guy. He's, he's holy. Listen to his prayers. It's amazing. And the Lord saw that. And he says, hey, you know what? When people give you the big pat on the back, oh, such a beautiful prayer. <laughs> the Lord says, hey, you've got your reward. That's all you're going to get." Jesus said, no, when you pray, what I want you to do is to go into your inner chambers and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you openly. You see, Christians, we need that inner chamber. We need to have that clarity slip away from everyone else and just pray to the Father in private. You know, the Bible says that Jesus did this in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. It says, having risen early in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, that private prayer, but to have the personal prayer as well. Look what he says there in verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask. See, God wants us to be giving. That's cool. And God wants us to be praying. And he wants us to pray privately, and He wants us to pray, you know, personally. You know, that's so important for us. You know, don't pray to impress men. And I think you guys have probably experienced this, but it's so cool to be able to talk about it this morning with you. You know, one of the things that bums me out is just by listening to them. It's so simple to see. Sometimes when you're prayer, have you ever been in a prayer meeting where people are preaching while they're praying? You know what? That's a drag. You, you, I just encourage you right now, especially for those of you who pray in, in, in prayer meetings, to really guard yourself against that. We're not praying to the person sitting next to us. We're not praying, preaching to this guy right here. I mean, sometimes when I hear that happen, I almost want to interrupt them. I know, but so far, I haven't done that. But it's like, man, we're praying to God. We're not praying to men. We don't want to impress men. We don't want to preach to men. You know what? To be honest with you guys, and I know some of you here, you struggle in prayer meetings. You know, that's why you don't go Wednesdays or Saturdays or whatever. It's because you you just feel funny. Oh, they're going to think that I'm, you know, not very spiritual. And you know, they're going to find out that I'm not a very you know, strong. person. But for those of you here who love the Lord, don't you feel the same way I feel, that those simple prayers are the best prayers? It's true, huh? I love it when you hear people pray, you know, regular language, man. They haven't God will answer such prayers. Jesus said, no, that's not you. That's what the heathen do. We have a relationship with each other, remember? You know, in Elisha's day, the prayer to Baal was like that. And they prayed over and over again. The Bible says from morning even until noon, oh, Baal, hear us over and over and over again. Same thing in the city of Ephesus when there was a riot. it over and over again. Great is Diana. Great is Diana. For two straight hours. That's the way they are. We don't need to be that way. I know before I was a Christian, before I really came to the Lord, I was kind of like that. I was Catholic. And I used to say the rosary fairly frequently, believe it or not. I kind of liked the beads. I liked the way they felt. And there you have the little crucifix and stuff. And so I remember even as a kid just praying, you know, think about it. 50 hits. says right here so clearly, don't do that. Don't be vain in your repetitions. But unfortunately, people still do. They repeat words and phrases and memorize prayers. God just wants to talk to you. You know, just like I get to talk with my kids, and to be honest with you, it's one of the greatest privileges in all my existence. On the way over here, I got to bring... I love talking to my wife. I love talking to my son. I, I can't think of really a whole lot of other stuff that's better than that. Just talking to each other, eye to eye, heart to heart. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father and you. Just talking. Not just form He said, whoever is long in prayer is heard. Another rabbi said, whenever the righteous make their prayers long, their prayer is heard. But according to Jesus, that's not true. That's kind of cool, especially when we're in public. You don't have to pray long prayers. (laughs) And sometimes up to open their time in prayer. And the pastor had this misconception as well. He said, I got to pray a long prayer in order for it to be effective. And so the pastor prayed and he prayed on and on and on. He prayed and prayed and prayed until D.L. Moody, who knew better, he had such an awesome relationship with God. He just said, okay, while well, pastor so-and-so is finishing his prayer. <laughs> Let's sing a song to the Lord. And sometimes I feel like doing need to be giving according to the way Jesus Christ teaches, and we need to be praying according to the way the Lord teaches us as well. I just love what it says there in verse 8. He says right there, don't be like them. Your Father, He knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Now this doesn't mean that we don't have to ask God, because James 4.2 says sometimes we don't this doesn't mean that we necessarily only have to say it once because the Lord later, he says, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep bringing things before the Lord. But what he's trying to share with us here is the character of our Creator. I mean, you know what? He knows what you need. And all of you here today, man, you all have different needs. You have relationship needs. You have financial needs. You have physical needs. Some of you here today, and I just know you're just going through crazy times. Some of you here are flirting with disaster. God knows what you need. You don't belong there. God wants you over here. Oh, God, it's so amazing. He knows what we need. You know, sometimes my daughter will ask me for new clothes pretty much every day. And um, and I always have to ask. say, well, I'm going to pray for 24 hours now just so God has to do what I want him to do. You don't have to say, you know, these memorized prayers and try to twist God's arm. What God wants us to enter into is this personal and beautiful relationship as Christians. You know, one of the things that was so cool when I was over there in South America is that I had the privilege of being able to teach in every city, First Corinthians. Chapter about love. It's a chapter about how everything we do must be motivated by love. How the gifts that we exercise, how the life that we live. If we're not doing it because we love God and love the people, then the Lord says it's just a bunch of. always so a cool thing for me just to be able to be reminded, well, why do we do what we do? It's because of the love relationship that I have with him. He's taking me out of my comfort zones. Oh, I don't normally do that. Or I don't like doing that. But you know what? If God says, God asks, I'll do it. Why? Because I love him. I love his people. And I'm willing to go outside of my comfort zone. so cool, being reminded about the love of God. You know, I remember hearing a quote and one person said this. He said, you know, if you don't know anything about God, start So cool, you guys. You don't have to fret, you don't have to worry, you don't have to wonder. You don't even know what you need. Aren't you so glad that he hasn't answered all your prayers? Man. But he knows what you need. And so you just come to him, you spend time with him, and he will bless your life. You know, we don't pray to an unjust judge. We don't have a stingy savior. the private prayer, the personal prayer, and then he gives us like a pattern for prayer in verses 9 through 15. A lot of you guys probably know this by heart. This is the one verse that you memorize in the Bible. Look what he says in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, Into temptation, but deliver us from the evil For yours is the kingdom, and power, and glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, some have called this the Lord's Prayer, but that's probably not a good title. It probably be more accurate to call it the Disciples' Prayer. And didn't, Jesus didn't say, "Well, you have to say these words verbatim," but He did say in this. So in one sense, it's kind of like a pattern. And there's so much here we could spend weeks in this prayer. But let me just share a few things with you about this prayer. Number one, notice the relationship. Notice the relation and the adoration. The Lord says right there, Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? You see, there's that relation there between the Father and the child. I pray we would never forget that. Guys, we're not coming before this, you know, abstract deity, so holy and distant that you would feel cold and isolated. No, it's a child coming to his father. There's that adoration. There's that. just heard something yesterday that kind of bummed me out. It, it's kind of a bummer. I guess the, the movie, it's called The Bee Movie. We haven't seen it yet. But one of the things in that movie is they take the name and the person of Jesus and they categorize him with other men. Gandhi, others. And and to, to me, it doesn't jive. It's not how not the heart. And so, you know, I don't says right there for us to pray for the daily bread. I love that. God doesn't give us bread for tomorrow. He gives us bread for today so that we would come to him always. God prays right there. The Lord gives us that pattern for him, man, to deliver us and not to lead us into temptation. You know, I had that firsthand yesterday, man. Yesterday when I was here and about halfway through the day, I was doing pretty good. I had had for breakfast just um, oatmeal, Trying to forgive him for that, but you know, it's like that. I I forgot to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, just like that. So I went and boom. I mean, how can you say no? How can you possibly say no once you're there? And so. In any situation, I'm not going to stand here and say, "Oh, I would, I wouldn't fall." I know who I am. I'm dust, and so I need to pray, God, keep me, God, protect me. See, these are the things that we ask the Lord: His kingdom come, my kingdom go. And then there's the confession element in this whole thing. Look what He says in verse 12: "And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our." Death. To say. The Lord says, "If we want God to forgive us, look what He says in verse fourteen: For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." And there's a few things here. This is not speaking about you know our positional you know place in Christ. Figure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will. to be giving, to be praying, and to be fasting. You know, I'm probably the... chapter 4, that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Later, we read in John chapter 4 that the Lord didn't eat. He said, my food is to do the will of the Father, to finish the work of Him who sent me. You see, and then some people will say, well, Jesus, you know, He didn't fast all that much. Well, you know what? A couple of things there. Number one, He said, listen, it's a time of celebration right now. The the bridegroom's here, you know, so I'm not going to be fasting guys would want, but I'll bet you almost on the Day of Atonement. Read that in Leviticus 23, verse 27. But what happened was the Pharisees, they began to fast every Monday and every single Thursday. And they, you know, they complicated the whole thing. They said, okay, on the days that we fast, we cannot bathe. We can't put any deodorant on, no anointing, okay? We can't even wear sandals. That was the little rules and regulations they had. And as they were there fasting in such situations, they said, when we're fasting, we can't even have casual conversation. Sorry, I can't talk with you today. I'm fasting. And everybody knew, oh, they're fasting again. Wow, you're so holy. It when the guys get all emotional and the veins start showing here real strong, and you know, we like all those things, right? And people have wow, that was such an awesome study! But you know what? The emotional messages and the performances that please men and tickle their ears that's not what it's all about. What did the Bible teach me today? What did Jesus say to me today? What can I stand on? Not an emotion, but it can. the Lord says, listen, let's get our hearts right. I, I pray you guys would know by now. Some of you here are new. Some of you here have been here for 50 years, and I'm so grateful for you, man. I, I just pray though we would know by now that God doesn't look on the outside, that God doesn't see as man sees, but that the Lord, 1 Samuel sixteen seven, he looks at the heart. And I might feel simple study, that you would be giving, that you would be praying, and that you would be fasting with a heart that is right. Watch, you know, God is going to do such an awesome work. Isn't it so cool that we as Christians have a personal relationship with God? I mean, isn't that amazing? And you know, if you're here today, and maybe you don't have a personal relationship with God, maybe someone invited you, or somehow you step through the door or maybe you just know that you know what, in all honesty as the Holy Spirit has touched my heart Here today, and you know all this stuff. It's been kind of like, uh no, no, you know, like Jesse would say, Ain't "No thing but a chicken." Wing. I can't wait for the garden asada in the cafe. I'm not interested in God. Then I need to tell you this, man. That the Bible says that without Him. guys can tell, but they changed the ballast and they put these thin bulbs and supposedly they're supposed to save energy and our bill's going to go down and it's kind of cool but afterwards I was able to talk to a couple of the guys that were doing the installation of the lights and you know I I was able to share with them how they needed Jesus Christ in their life. You know that apart from him um, there's no hope and it was so cool just to see their response simple. If you don't know the Lord, or if you don't have an appetite for God's Word and His ways, then you need to give your life to Christ. He loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. You know, with every door that leads to hell, you know, He would just, man, be there right in front of that door saying don't go, don't go, don't go. But it's a decision Relationship with the Lord today, and to be able to go and grow and do these things. This day. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you so much, Lord, for your Word, Lord, that just teaches us real simple to give and to pray and to fast with a heart that's right. And so I pray, Lord, we. Anyone here today, Lord, they're just going through difficulties that just life has thrown them in one sense a curve, and they find themselves today down now, and, out, and uh, even contemplating suicide, thinking that they have no home. Lord, together we as a church.